Welcome to Cinemaholics. You know, I could use a vacation. Heck, I could use some friends. And so I'll start by saying I'm John Negroni. And with me, I have someone who is he's a work friend, though, not a vacation friend. He's Will Ashton. Hey, I didn't know we we're doing existential crises on this show now, but that's good to know for future reference. I'm trying to get into the zone. I saw a vacation friend so long ago. It was last early last week. And so I, I'm oh, yeah. trying to get back into like that mode of the movie where, you know, Lil Rel Howry, he starts the movie. He doesn't have vacation friends. The vacation hasn't really started yet. I feel that way right now. Yeah. He only has work friends. He does. He has a close knit group of work friends. They really leaned into that, which was cool. Like they didn't do the I love you man yeah. thing where he's, he's a schmuck until he meets John Cena. Yeah, but he has like kind of like a healthy work relationship where he's like, yeah, I'm friends with you. I want the best for you guys. Also, you're my employee. But I'm going to keep you. At, yeah, but let's, I'll keep you at distance because yeah. I'm your boss. And like, I'm, I'm not going to like, uh, you know, try to act otherwise. So that's probably healthy for their relationship, but doesn't give them a lot of friends outside of work, I guess. Well, in addition to talking about the nature of friendships and the existential crises of vacations, we're, we're going to talk about this movie, Vacation Friends. It's out on Hulu. Now, we're doing this a little bit late. And so just to explain that real quick, we did our Candyman episode. Originally, we wanted to do Vacation Friends as part of the Candyman episode. Usually, usually we talk about like, you know, three to five films. We only talked about one that week, although I did also talk about He's All That for like five minutes or something. But it was a shame. We just we just couldn't get to it. I, I should say this is the busiest time of the year for me. I am I'm in a I'm not watching a ton of movies at the moment. And that's probably for the best because Tiff is next week. And so I'm about to be watching tons of movies. And all that said, I, I did catch Vacation Friends. Will saw Vacation Friends. We did want to talk about it. We just had a delay this conversation. We hope it's a good one. So we're doing a little bonus thing for this movie. Like I said, it's out on Hulu. And I'll be honest, well, I didn't know that much about this movie going into it. I didn't write a review or anything. I, I didn't really look at, like, I didn't study this one in the lead up. So I actually have the Wikipedia page up in front of me. I'm going to do my best to, you know, not just like replicate what I'm reading here. You know what I'm saying? Like actually mm-hmm. give the listener yeah. some some real stuff here, but yeah. How, how would you describe this movie? Will? I mean, I, obviously it's a comedy, it's a buddy comedy, right? But yeah, what's unique about sure. it? Well, the thing that's, I guess, most disarming about the film is that it has the sort of feel of a like mid to late two thousands raunchy comedy, kind of the sort of feel that I felt, uh, during Mike and Dave need wedding mm. dates where it's like, Oh, this has like, an almost nostalgic quality to it. It feels like the sort of thing that studios would pummel out like six or eight times in say 2008 or like 2011 or something. Can I, can I add something to that to, to amplify your point? This movie does something that I remember that so many of those movies from that era do right where it starts Mm -hmm. off. It's like sort of hook of a premise and then it becomes like a wedding movie. That's very, very like studio comedies between the years 2004 and 2015 in my opinion right and yeah like kind of uh amplified i guess with the hangover trilogy that 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 really kind of became i guess the most popular example of that outside of maybe wedding crashers Mm -hmm. yeah um but uh yeah i mean it, it it does feel like a sort of like nostalgic 
film like that. And I think part of it is because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this film was in development for a while. I remember at one point, I think Mark Wahlberg and uh, Ice Cube were attached no, to I it. I don't know about that. But hey, like I said, I got, I got the Wikipedia page in front of me. So grain of salt and all okay. that. But what I'm seeing here is that Chris Pratt and Anna Faris back in, that's how you know it was a while back, they were actually going to star mm-hmm. in the film with Steve Pink directing. Um, it still had a screenplay okay. by the Mullen brothers, who are still co-writers in this movie. I think though that they retooled it a while after their involvement. But yeah, Chris Pratt, Anna Ferris, this was way back in like 2014. So we're looking at like the year of Guardians of the Galaxy launching Chris Pratt into A-lister. This is right, you know, the year that Parks and Recreation finished its run. Big year for Chris Pratt. I think Anna Ferris at this point was like at her peak with a sitcom mom. Great sitcom mom. And yeah, this movie never, never came out. Never I could. I mean, now you mentioned. Uh, now that you've mentioned it, I could definitely see whatever that would be like. Twenty twelve, Chris Pratt and Anna Faris in these roles. Right. They were still married at this point, right? So because they didn't get divorced right. until years later. Yeah, and I think I, I, I think big screen wise, I think they only did like two films together, right? Take Me Home Tonight and Movie Forty Three. Neither of which I, I'm sure they're super proud of. It's so funny because I've seen both those movies. I totally forgot because I was about to say like, oh, you know, it's kind of a shame we never got them on screen together. You know, they're married and all that. Mm-hmm. Totally forgot about that. So that's embarrassing on my part. Well, Take Me take me Home Tonight was where they met. If I'm not and it was shelled, right? Because they met way before that movie came right. out. But that movie was like way, way delayed. It was so delayed that Topher Grace was the leading man. That's how you that's how you know. Mm-hmm. And Dan Folkler was uh, like trying; they were trying to push him as like the scene stealing uh, side character. Yeah, and this was like whatever, like 2009 when the movie came out, and we were like, "Oh, Dan Folkler! I thought we were yeah, done yeah. with him in like 2007." <laughs> I know, I know. I, you know, I I always had I had a, not always I had a soft spot for Folkler myself in those days because and I remember being kind of sure. like, "Oh yeah, you know," but I think at this point because. But I remember the movie that really did the guy in probably was Good Luck Chuck. That's like what two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Even before that, Balls of Fury. More likely, that's a movie I like. On I think. Oh uh, really? I yeah. think the movie that actually kind of killed his career was Mars Needs Moms. But oh yeah, well, um, same year as Take Me Home Tonight, wasn't it? That's like two thousand ten, two thousand eleven. Uh, indirectly, I think yeah. yes, they came out the same year. Uh, that was like kind of the death knell, and like he's a marquee comedy star uh that that point of his career but i mean i'll give him credit he is i think unironically the best thing about the fantastic beast film i was about to say that <laughs> yeah the fantastic beast he's actually my probably my favorite character in those yeah but, but he's not uh, in this movie <laughs> yeah i was gonna say well, that's a that's a tangent yeah um, we, how far away <laughs> we went so down a hole there um yeah did i answer your question about vacation friends I think so. I mean, the, okay. I guess I guess what's unique about it is, yeah, it feels like a relic. I think you're right. It's just sort of take a couple of like normal straight laced characters, mix them up with outlandish comedic characters. Right. What's interesting about it, too, is so our straight man here is Lil Rel Howery. And I, I would say that probably since Get Out, Lil Rel Howery has become has been getting like a much bigger profile as an actor. Obviously, he's been around doing great stuff. And I think. I think like vast majority of people, in addition to Get Out, recognize him from the Carmichael Show, which I never watched myself, but I, I know, it has its fans, right? Yeah. Um, th- that said, he's been in a lot of good stuff. Uh, I I thought he was kind of funny in Space Jam: A New Legacy. Uh, he was he had that. Oh, kind I forgot of like he was in role that. as the announcer. 
I totally forgot right, he was in that. Uh, I mean, the only thing I, I mean, outside of Get Out, like I said, I haven't seen Gerard Carmichael's sitcom, but uh, I remember, you I mean, obviously, since it came out this year, uh, Bad Trip, he stood out. Yeah, great character in that. Free Guy, I really liked him in. I know Free Guy, not your favorite, but yeah. one of my favorite uh, Harry performances to this point. And I liked him in uh, The Photograph. I, I I didn't see the, the photograph. I thought he was pretty good in the not great film Uncle Drew, but uh, I'm blanking on what else he's been in recently. Uncle Drew was good. He was in Tag um, around that same time. Oh, that oh, that that film. Yeah, yeah, that really fun film about friendship. Yeah. Even though that's another a film older that everybody uh, another liked, another late in the game raunchy comedy that involves a wedding. Come it wasn't to think that of raunchy. It. it was trying was to be. That? It was trying. Kind of. Good Boys was more raunchy than that. He was in that, and then also, um, and Good Boys was kind of forgettable. Uh, Brittany runs a marathon. I thought he had a fun role in that movie. I don't remember if she you did. saw that. I did see that. I saw her marathon running. I yeah. saw it in the theater. She did it. She did it. She, she ran, ran a marathon. She runs. She ran a marathon. Spoilers. Didn't that win like the grand jury prize or something at Sundance? Did it really? <laughs> I don't I, it won that something. Was two I years think. ago. So, like Amazon bought. I guess, I, guess for, like, I could look it up. Amazon bought it for like $20 million or something, right? That and was then, so funny. Yeah. And it was because I, yeah. I remember I was at I was at that Sundance and I remember people were talking about the movie. I did not like I don't remember people people being over the moon about it. That was, that was very surprising to me. But anyway, Lil Rel Howry was in that. And I think I think Lil Rel Howry, he's full of hits. I think he's very funny. He's got good comedic chops. In this movie, he's doing the straight character. So he's not like the center of all the jokes. Uh, being told he's kind of the butt of the joke at times what i like about this movie though is he's not always the butt of the joke a lot of the times he's kind of just like smoothing along with the mayhem like in the drug sequence it's he's not like the victim of it he kind of you know unwittingly does something he wasn't supposed to i think he's kind of interesting john cena john cena is in this movie he's like the other big like he and little howry are the most recognizable people in here unless you're a big fan of insecure we have yvonne orgy who you know i I don't know if she was a main character on that show but she i think she was on like all the seasons i haven't seen insecure but i've I've seen her a bunch and i know people are big fans i think the only movie i've seen her in is probably like night school and uh uh, spontaneous she had a role in that movie the really good ya movie from last year where yeah, kids film. explode mm-hmm. yeah i'm trying to remember if you if we talked about it spontaneous <laughs> I think I might have. yeah oh, we definitely talked about it okay. um i remember because i hadn't seen the whole thing when we reviewed it and I that's right yes. caveats about that but um yeah yeah your caveats had caveats um but yeah, she's in this. She's funny. We have Meredith Hagner. Meredith Hagner, yes. who was in Palm Springs last year. And sure. before Palm Springs, she wasn't on my radar. I think she was like a like a daytime soap opera star before. Uh, and then she had been in a couple of sitcoms. Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, I knew her. I mean, Minute work. a lot of people know her from uh, Search Party, which I've been meaning to catch I up still on. haven't seen that. Yeah. I've seen, I think, one or two seasons of it. She is quite good in it. And she was an act, she was a part of this film I was most excited for um, because I feel like when I first saw her, I think it was on the 2015 David Cross film, like, what was it called? Beats or uh, I forget what the movie that David Cross directed mm. like a while back. And she was like the lead in it. And I remember thinking, like, this movie is not that good, but she's really good at like this, like, broad like Southern type character. And I was like, I got to keep her on my radar. She's clearly like 
talented and Hollywood needs to do something with her. And I think they have with Search Party and to a lesser extent this film. But I'm still waiting for that role where she really gets to shine because I think she is yeah. a very talented actress. Well, I, I, I will say she was in Horse Girl from last year with oh, Alison yeah. Brie. Not a huge role, but, you know, and then also, you know, we mentioned Palm Springs, but she was also in The Oath. She was in Set It Up. She was in Ingrid Goes West. She's always like, yeah, this kind of character in the periphery. And I, I can't say I know which one you're talking about where she's a lead. I'm going to say for Vacation Friends, she's not a side character. I think she's one of the main characters. Well, no, in this film, she is. In okay, other yeah, film, yeah. she's often a side character. And the film I was talking about before I looked it up is called Hits. Hits. Okay. I haven't I haven't heard of that movie. Um, I know, it's not very good. I thought I knew the da- the ones David Cross has directed, so I'll have to look at it. He only directed one, and that's it. <laughs> okay. I thought he directed something else. No, you're thinking it, of Bob Was it Sundance in like 2014? Uh, Am I losing I it? I don't know what you're thinking of. I think that might I'm be the film sure. you're thinking of, because this came out in like 2014 or 2015. Did it change its name? Um, the maybe. movie I'm thinking about... I'm, I'm certain it, I think I, I think it came out 2014 festival circuit. I think I saw it 2015. I don't remember because I didn't know who Meredith Hagner was at the time. I remember Michael Sarah was in it. I think we're thinking of the same film. Okay. And I just don't have a name, right? That makes sense. Oh, um, yeah, no, it, it, I'm looking up to see if it was initially called something else. I'm not seeing a, another title for it, but yeah, it's called hits. Okay. I'm, I, I'll take your word for it. I think I'm just messing up on the name, but there you go. Meredith Hagner. Um, I'm going to say for vacation friends, she's my favorite character. Whenever she was on the screen in this movie, whenever she was like, she's, I think she's the funniest character. I think she's the more most fun character. And you know, she has a, I don't know. I, I think, I think her and John Cena's like little waffle house, like relationship. I thought it was kind of charming. Um, I like this movie. I think it's kind of mediocre in a lot of ways. It's not the mm-hmm. funniest. It's, it's not funny enough to like outright recommend for the movie it, it kind of is but you know i sat through it and i wasn't bored or anything i i kind of sat through it i laughed long here and there it was very like sunday matinee feel you know this thing just came on on tbs and you know you're already at the gym you know yes. like might as well keep watching while you're on the treadmill that's this yeah movie. tbs is a very good uh pool i guess that 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 does actually track i think it will be a TBS favorite. If it wasn't bought by Hulu, I think it would have been yeah. a TBS uh, favorite. And I do agree with you with Meredith Hagner's character. I feel like, I mean, even though I don't think this genre has altogether progressed, I think something that has progressed in this genre and going back to Mike and Dave need wedding dates, um, I think that was something true with that film with uh, Aubrey Plaza is that I think we're finally at a point where we're finally letting funny women be funny in these movies like for a long time. Like anytime there would be like a woman, they're kind of like the arms crossed, like, oh, like they're like judging the boys kind of thing. And I felt like that was always kind of it, it just felt uh, insulting because it didn't really let a lot of like funny women get the chance to do funny things. And I like that in this character, she is able to just be like a complete psychopath. <laughs> yeah, well, and you mentioned that and we mentioned Wedding Crashers, right? To me, she feels like oh, yeah, the yeah. an update to that character. Absolutely, yeah. That, that character's got issues um, that we don't have to get into. Isla Fisher, sure. who plays the part super well in Wedding Crashers, very memorable performance, obviously. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Hagner, like the way she's written in this movie is like miles better. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm thinking more of like The Hangover where um, I forget the actress's name, but she's like like a very funny actress, but she just has to Heather like, Graham? No, 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 no. Um, like... Ed Helms' wife. I forget her name, but she's like kind of like your stereotypical like 
stick in the mud sort of character. And I felt like that was like, you know, regressive in a way that that felt like we're we're finally kind of getting past that now. But yeah, we, I kind of remember who you're talking because I yeah. I don't remember the actress, but I remember the role, right, where mm-hmm. she was just kind of the stick in the mud. Is that what right, you're getting exactly. at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. And in this movie, like what I like about this movie is like nobody's the stick in the mud in this. Right. Like the setup for this movie is that mm-hmm. Lil Rel Howery's character and Yvonne Orji's character, they're their boyfriend, girlfriend. Her parents don't approve of him and they, they kind of look down on him. But he's a successful guy, he runs a construction company, but they think he's like a construction worker. Annoying thing about this movie, though, where they, they make it sound like it's bad to be a construction worker or it's like something to be ashamed of. I was like, OK, that's kind of a weird thing. Like they play that up in the movie of like. You know, I was like, oh, nobody recognizes that I uh, own a construction company. And I was like, OK. And then they bring in the construction workers and they're like, oh, they're family. And I, I don't know. I think they go to lengths to try to like bomb it a little bit like BALM. What do you think? I don't remember necessarily the film looking down on him for his profession so much as the this future father-in-law looking down on him and, and jokes about how he was so disapproving. But Maybe I'm well, just I think, forgetting. I think the movie is. I think the movie is following him being frustrated that he's being perceived as not good enough, and so being a construction worker is not good enough. I guess that's why I took it that way, right? Where he's just like, ah, oh, nobody understands that in reality I own a business, you know, as if like you know being a blue collar worker or something to scoff. I don't know. I, I, oh. I'm not hyper criticizing the movie or anything for it. It's just something I picked up on. Uh, yeah, yeah, I might push back on that a little bit. I didn't really catch that vibe. I thought they were pretty um, forgiving in that way, and it's all. And even the one character in this film that is disapproving kind of expectedly comes around on him and and his uh, blue collar ways, as they were. But uh, yeah, I, don't know. I, I might push back on what you're saying there. I'm, I'm just saying, maybe I just I just want to be a construction worker. That's uh, you know, I think it's, yeah, no uh, shame in that. Let's do that. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> honest days work. But yeah, so they're a couple. They just got to Mexico, and he's got this plan that he wants to propose to her and and do all these things, and everything kind of goes wrong. They have this like hotel guy. I wish I knew the actor's name, but I absolutely loved uh, his like little bit. I thought it was really funny uh, that they do with him and matter of circumstances happen that they lose their room at this five star resort hotel. One of the funniest jokes probably of this thing is like how that stuff kind of comes about. But as luck would have it, there is a couple that's kind of like in, you know, nearby and they overhear their problems. This couple, of course, being John Cena, uh, John Cena's character and Meredith Hagner's character, uh, Kyla and Ron. And they overhear and they're like, hey, come stay with us. And they have this big suite. And then the vacation turns into like this big hoopla thing, right? So they go, they take lots of drugs, they go on an adventure. And I was kind of like confused by the movie because they like really fast forward through the vacation. This movie is called Vacation Friends, right? In the beginning, I'm like, all right, I'm on vacation with these people. They're becoming friends. I got it, you know? And then we get to the point where they're like, well, the vacation's almost over. And I'm confused because I'm like, well, are they gonna go on another vacation it's only been 20 minutes and i was like what's going on here i got scared and then we find out that most of the movie is them not on vacation and being friends it's what happens after you make vacation friends uh, that's right they're they become wedding crashers <laughs> and that's what i'm saying like the whole movie so like they, they have their big wedding and then they john cena and meredith Hagner's characters crash the wedding and it turns into that 
and it's that movie and it's fine i guess i i don't know what what did you think of the whole setup of it do you think it kind of works out um i guess one thing that i push back on that i've seen from other people's reactions is that i thought the first 15 or 20 minutes of this movie were genuinely awful and i thought as the movie went along it got a little bit better because we got more established with the characters particularly john cena and meredith agner's characters um but i thought all the setup was pretty bad what was bad about it i liked it. i just i, it was I just thought it was so woefully generic and like it just felt like the, the very predictable tired setup that we get from the that was nostalgic for me in a bad way like it felt like the tire tropes that we've seen from these movies done in a way that wasn't particularly creative or imaginative. And I, I don't think that stuff moves away once we get away from the actual quote unquote vacation of the film. But I, I think the fact that uh, John Cena and Meredith Hagner's characters get to have a little bit more elbow room to kind of play with their characters later in the film, I think made it a little bit more endearing as well along. I guess for me, I think like at the beginning stuff, yeah, it's pretty generic. You know, I'm not going to defend it. But I do think that once Cena and Hagner come into the movie and they get established, we spend some time with them before the party gets going. I really liked that stuff. There's a joke involving cocaine where I was like, yes, I'm on board for this movie. <laughs> like, keep that up. And mm-hmm. to the movie's credit, it keeps that up. It keeps escalating a lot of pretty wild scenarios. Did, did you think it was generic though? Like the whole sort of all the stuff they get up to in Mexico? My complaint is that not that it's generic, but that they just kind of like montage it, which that was frustrating to me because I was like, this would be like the whole movie. Uh, I think during the Mexico scene, there was like one or two funny scenes. And then later on, the actual kind of stuff that I found funny or amusing came into play, which I guess is different than how other people feel about the film. I guess that's not how I feel about it. I mean, there's a to me, it felt like the best stuff is in the beginning, like the first half hour. And then the rest of the movie, it's not that it's bad. It's just I thought the jokes were coming like the successful jokes were coming a little bit less frequently. It sounds like that's not the case for you. It's subjective, obviously, and we don't want to give away these jokes for obvious reasons. But it sounds, though, that like, I don't know, I'm not like super praising this movie. I'm getting the sense that you're not praising it that much either. Are we close on this? Uh, I think I think you might be slightly higher than I am, but I I think we're more or less on the same page. It seems like we kind of dislike it the same amount, but like different parts of it in different ways. Yes. I yeah, I think we're flipped, but I think we have like the same reaction, but for different reasons. Um, like, I think Classic. you found it amusing and then it kind of burnt out. I think it starts off really rough and then it becomes a little bit more charming as we get to go know and like the characters more. Sure. I did. I did. We did agree that like the, the use of the construction worker friends thing was at least interesting. I liked it. I, I don't sure. know how where you fall on it ultimately, but I think like, yeah, I mean, so that stuff does happen later. And, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll give the movie that. I think I just get like the burnt out for me really is this whole like now this is a wedding movie when it doesn't need to be. We've got wedding movies. We see ugh, so many comedies about weddings. I don't care. Well, we have a lot of comedies about vacations, too. <laughs> well, yeah, but they called it vacation, friends. That's sure. the, it's the it's the bait and switch. That's the thing that I think that's what it is. If this movie had been called Wedding Friends, Wedding Friends, I'd been like, yeah, yeah let's go. <laughs> They're at a wedding. They're friends. But no, that's not what it. I mean, this movie should have been called Wedding Friends because there's like two should, weddings. Should have been called Honeymoon Friends. 
No, they that's were not a, a honeymoon. That's a, that's a sequel. I'm, I'm, I'm writing oh, yeah, in yeah. advance. Yeah. Good job. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Good. That's a good idea for your sequel. I, I there's also a twist in this movie that like everyone's going to see coming. They, they don't do a great job at hiding it. I mean, I, I'm sure some people won't see it coming like our dads. If they were watching this, they'd be just sort of like, whoa, that came out of nowhere. We'd just be like kind of chuckling to ourselves a little bit. But, you know, it doesn't kill the movie or anything. It, it, and it, they actually do use it for a pretty good comedic moment. Albeit one that is fantastically stupid because of the behavior of Lil Rel Howery is like, oh, OK, <laughs> like, the movie's doing that. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah, I, I wasn't like crazy about that stuff. I think I just like the little like side stories, like the whole like golf game thing, I think was more amusing to me than most of the other things in the film. I don't like Andrew Batch. Andrew Every Batch, time I that? see that guy, the that? he plays the brother. I do not like that actor. Is he the, he was like the a vine, vine guy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just did the dude like in real life, not great. And then in the, in fiction and entertainment, I'm just like, it's not, I don't know. Like, I just don't like the guy. I, I, maybe if I met him in real life, I'd, I'd change my tune. I don't know. Maybe. Um, but I felt like that scene was like because there's sort of like at times there's like a kind of Chevy Chase feel to John Cena's character. Like if Chevy Chase got like blown up like the Michelin man. <laughs> well, I thought you were going to say for Lil Rel Howery, but and but going through the vacation movies because those are vacation movies. National Lampoon's vacation. Do those turn into weddings? No. But like John Cena has like kind of like that glib, like sort of yeah. self-aware, but also like kind of like out of touch vibe that i think uh chevy chase can often have in some of his roles not all of them obviously but like some of them i think he does yeah i kind of got that vibe from him we've avoided talking about cena a little bit here and i guess i I get i mean we haven't talked about him that much i mean every time i've talked about him i've been like but meredith hagner and i think the reason for me is because i think i don't think he's very funny in this movie but i do think that he's kind of the heart of it like i actually think that like he has some good lines i think hagner kind of overshadows him a bit I would agree. It's kind of the same problem I think I had with blockers, um, which I think he's good in blockers. I think he's good in train wreck. I mean, his comedic roles are good. Uh, I think though, like a movie like Suicide Squad knew, knew exactly what to do with him. I think that's his sweet spot. I do like though uh, that this this movie. I know. I, I think this movie though, kind of, it's a fun stretch for the character, or for the actor yeah, as a character. I think with Suicide Squad, when I found out that that role was initially supposed to be for Dave Batista, I was like, oh, this makes a lot more sense. Um, I think his bright spot was kind of, I guess, already with uh, Trainwreck. Like that was the first time and maybe the only time we were like, OK, this like makes sense for like what his comedic talent should be. I think I'm a little bit softer on him and blockers than you are, just because I kind of appreciate that his presence in that film automatically makes the movie kind of more heightened and larger in life. And he does get that great uh, beer keg scene in blockers. I think you mean butt chug, but um, well, sure. I didn't want to, you know, sure. get censored by my own. Uh, I don't know if that's does that need to be censored? I guess it's uh, I don't know. I mean, kids listen to the program. Well, I don't sure. need to know that yet. Sure. Um, <laughs> let it, let I think, get through middle school first. Sheesh. Sure. I think uh, something I think that is underrated about blockers is that like I think John Cena's presence helps to avoid some of the ickiness of the premise because he is like by design. John Cena has like kind of like that Schwarzenegger thing where like by him being in the movie, it kind of becomes larger in life because he's like this huge, like goofy muscle bound guy. And like the fact that he's supposed to be playing like this, like uh, 
off kilter suburban dad, like automatically it's just like, okay, like this is a fantasy world because yeah, this yeah. wouldn't be a suburban <laughs> dad. And I feel like in, in, uh, that works really well for blockers because it's just like, okay, this heightens the premise. It doesn't make it like as creepy because this takes place in a kooky fantasy world where it's, or like a, like off kilter reality or whatever. And I think that's sort of the yeah. case here as well. I kind of get what you mean though, with like suicide squad, it makes sense. Like he kind of fits in like in a world with like a talking, two-legged shark and you know like a like a raccoon and a polka dot man like it makes sense that he's like walking around in there and all that um but yeah i i think i don't think hollywood's quite figured out what to do with him but i think they're getting close like it's a and this role it makes sense but i agree with you i, I feel like the dialogue wasn't quite strong enough for him to really excel though he he does to his credit i think he commits i agree it, it's sad because i think most most movies he's been in i'm probably not the biggest fan of do little and like F nine and all that. And yeah, he's kind of interesting in Bumblebee, but it's, he, I don't know. Do people remember him from Bumblebee? I think Bumblebee and F nine are like two examples of like, they make him boring. And it's just like, like, no, like yeah. both those films, like he should be very like larger in life and goofy, especially F nine. And it's just like, uh-huh, Oh, we yeah. want him to just be serious and straight. And it's just like, no, like that, if you do that, Cena's just super boring. Like that was his like issue as a wrestler. Like if you like take away like the like goofiness, he's just like a boring like Superman type guy. I think we agree. I think I just I, I think I I do see a version of him being sort of the straight serious person and it working because I think that is what we get in Suicide Squad. So I think we just have different. You know, I I like both, but for my money, but, like I'm I don't know. I'm glad he's doing both. I think in Suicide Squad, he's like still the doofus, though. Like he's still like the like overly patriotic. Yeah, yeah. He's he's like, I don't know. He doesn't act like a doofus. I think he has two modes. It's sort of like the goofy side of him is different because it's like he has this sort of charm, this sort of like, yeah, I could kill you like with Mm -hmm. like one punch. But like, I'm not. I'm nice. I'm John Cena. I'm your friend. And like, that's this movie. That's like his mode in this movie. And I think that's his mode and, you know, to an extent and like train wreck and all those things. But like in Suicide Squad, it's sort of like I'm taking mercy upon you right now. But it's sort of like he's not self-aware of how like dumb he is. And it's it's something that kind of works there. Whereas in other movies like in Bumblebee and F9, he's just supposed to be like, I'm tough. And who's asking? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, who cares? I'm out for vengeance and all this stuff. And yeah, I, I agree. I think he's at his best as a screen presence when he's like, like you said, like he's like this huge muscle bound guy that could, you know, like rip a person in half. But he's like very vulnerable in touch with his feelings. And he has like this kind of teddy bear quality that like a teddy bear that could snap you in half. And I think that's yeah the Cena that I find most appealing. And I think some movies have gotten that and some haven't. And I think this is somewhere sort of like it. it I think it gets that, but it doesn't quite take full advantage of that sort of scene yeah it doesn't execute it perfectly every time i mean they have the set they have it on paper the guy's like a park ranger which i thought was kind of fun this movie does do a lot of comedies a lot of the big sins of comedies especially these days they always give the characters weird jobs or they give them like the same jobs like this character's the pr person you know this character is like a high school teacher this movie actually they had like some interesting jobs like owning a construction company like that's kind of like we don't see that a lot uh you know even meredith hagner is kind of like she works in a doctor's office but they play along they play a lot of jokes with that and you like learn more about what that means the only character with like a boring job is uh yvonne orgy she's just like in finance but it kind of works to the plot it's like the point is that she has kind of a blah job yeah 
I was just thinking about it now, and I think the best comparison I could think of for like what a Cena role should be is like Mr. Incredible in like the workplace scenes in the first movie, where yeah. he's like kind of doing like a boring <laughs> job and he's like a suit and tie, but he's like objectively huge and no one really comments on it and all that stuff. I feel like that would be like a role like that for Cena is like what he should do in the future at some point. That's what sets him apart from The Rock, right? Because The Rock he's obviously a big dude, but it's always part of it. Like it's never, it's always something that the movies take into consideration and craft around the writing of the character. But with Cena, you know, is obviously there. It's, it's obviously part of the movie, but there, I don't know. There's more going on with his like tech, like uh physicality, I guess. Or like, I don't know. He just, it's just different. It's like Pepsi and Coke, right? They just have mm-hmm. different flavors, um, but they're basically the same thing. If you really break it down. Yeah, because like, I mean, of the three wrestlers who are trying to break it, I, I feel like they're all kind of trying to their credit. They're all kind of trying to do something different. The Rock, like you mentioned, is going for the straight traditional kind of action star with like leaning into his charisma and all that stuff. And then you got on the opposite end, like Dave Batista, who really wants to be like a serious, like award recognized actor doing stuff like Blade Runner 2049 and Dune pretty soon. And then you got Cena like somewhere in between. My spy and Stuber, you know, he was like, all right. And then Army of the Dead, he was like, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to I'm going for it. I'm going to get that Oscar. But Cena's like in the middle between those two where he's like, I think he's self-aware enough where he's like, I'm not going to win an Oscar someday. Or maybe he will. I don't know. Who who knows? Eh, I mean, you know, I I guess I I don't know. He hasn't been in any movies where I'm just like, oh, that's awards bait. Right. The wall (laughs) that people think I was going to get awards. I think he's not vying for that type of role. I think he's self-aware enough where he's like, he wants to be a movie star, but he's willing to make fun of his image. He's he's yeah. willing to be kind of uh, playing against type almost in some respects. Playing with fire, you could sure. say? Well, that's the thing, right? Is that like My Spy, Tooth Fairy, Playing with Fire, they all, there's mm-hmm. some weird wrestling invisible contract where every wrestler <laughs> or action star, Mr. Mom, or, what, or what's the what's Hulk Hogan one? Um, Mr. Mom's a Michael Keaton. I think one. It, it's suburban. I, it, it's uh, kind of um, let's let's look it up. Hulk Hogan, uh, family movie from the nineties, because that's that it, it was the nineties, wasn't it? Right. And then Schwarzenegger had Kindergarten Suburban Cop. Commando. Suburban Commando. That's it. There it is. Um, and then obviously, like I said, Kindergarten and Mr. Cop Nanny. Schwarzenegger. And Mr. You were Nanny. close. Yeah, I was mixing it too. <laughs> and then Mr. Mom is Michael Keaton. Known. I think Suburban Michael Commando Keaton. is like an actual action movie. <laughs> yes. Is it? I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, there's some invisible wrestler contract where the, everyone you get a certain level of famous. And it's just like uh, a Hollywood executive comes out and it's just like it now is the time you must do your kid movie. And, you know, like Vin Diesel also had like the pacifier. I know he's not a wrestler, but like it's just this weird action movie star thing where it's just like at one point you have to pay the toll and do your uh, obligatory children's family film for whatever reason yeah but out of all those you just mentioned i think past fire is probably the best one in my opinion uh kindergarten cops i think the best one but um, oh I, yeah i wasn't ca- yeah kindergarten cop owns you're right yeah that's a movie i actually watched a lot as a kid and i think it probably holds up i'd have to rewatch it i remember jokes from that movie and they still seem funny so very quotable film it's I'll not a tumor that. yeah it's not a tumor <laughs> yeah uh that's relevance 
Um, yeah, but this movie is also a relic of 20th Century Studios. Obviously, you know, 20th Century Fox, uh, you know, it, it was in production for quite a while. They were going to do a whole thing with it through Fox. And then now it's kind of coming out unceremoniously. I I never saw a trailer for this. I didn't see any buzz. Like, I didn't see any talk shows or, you know, John Cena and Harry and all them coming out and being like, see our movie. Like, there was nothing behind that push. I am curious, like, it's so funny that you mentioned the like awards potential of these actors because yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything really in Cena's filmography that comes close to him getting like an Oscar or something. I don't think he's seeking that out. Batista exactly, is interesting yeah. because mm-hmm. unlike The Rock, yeah, because like The Rock, I can't imagine him kind of doing like a Sundance movie, right? Like I can't remember like somebody no. going to the Cannes Film Festival and like walking the red carpet and there's The Rock. Right. You know what I mean? Well, from what I can tell with The Rock. He felt really burnt by the experience of Southland Tales and the failure, at least critical failure, that I guess box office failure too of that. Walking film. Tall, the remake. Oh, well, oh, you know what? He was at Sundance a couple of years ago, though. He was there for fighting with my family. So yeah, he produced that, and he was like a cameo in that, right? Right, right. He's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, he wouldn't like, he wouldn't do like a like a starring role. I don't think in a he wouldn't uh, do a Stranger Than Fiction or Everything Must Go. You know, he wouldn't do like. Something kind of against type, something that's kind of, you know, or I guess Stranger Than Fiction wasn't against type, but it was just, you know, kind of subverting, you know, what's interesting about him as an actor and doing something kind of different with it. I think he's just going to keep writing the hive as superstardom until he can't and then pivot to more producing. I just think The Rock is at a very boring point in his life and career. I I mean, if he's happy, I don't want to take that away from him. But like, didn't the trailer for Red Nose just drop on Twitter today? I didn't watch it. I think but so. Like, I haven't seen it. It looks no. so generic. It's just like two actors who, in my opinion, are just like at the most boring points in their career, him and Ryan Reynolds. And they're just kind of like now they're together and they're both doing their shtick. And it's just like, I'm glad this is on Netflix. And I don't have to go to the theaters to see this because it just I mean, I have to assume we're going to review it at some point, but it's just not one I'm particularly looking forward to at this point. I I guess I hear you on that. I, when, coming back to vacation, friends, though, like I was saying, it just kind of is coming out. It's a, it's coming out to a bit of a whimper. I I, yeah. I don't think anybody's, I, you know, chomping at the bit for this movie. I haven't seen anybody be like, you got to see it, right? I haven't seen anybody softly recommend it. I think it's just another, you know, blip in the wind. And I, I know people were giving Patty Jenkins a lot of heat today, you know? Um, I, really? I didn't catch up totally with the, the discourse of the day. But yeah, people were getting on her case because she was just like, all these straight to streaming movies, I mean, like they're not having an impact. Like, the, like people aren't watching these things and remembering that. Like, we're getting very few movies a year that like everybody's watching. Like, mm-hmm. we're losing that water cooler experience for movies. We're barely getting those now. And yeah. I think she's right. And I think people were just sort of like, well, we're in a pandemic. It's like, yeah, she. I'm sure she gets that, you know. But we can still reflect yeah. on that. I mean, I think that. Just the nature mm-hmm. of how people watch movies and watch the same movies is changing. And it's, you know, it's kind of sad in some ways. Uh, I didn't see anyone complain about that with Patty Jenkins, but I have seen people doing that with um, Denise Villeneuve. With Denis Villeneuve, like every, yeah. Denis Villeneuve. And people, like, because, like, every now and then he's just kind of just like, I would really appreciate it if people would see Dune in theaters because I made it for theaters. And also, this is a huge gamble. And I would like to make a sequel. And I keep seeing people being like, Ugh, how dare he tell people to go Gatekeeper. see his movies in theaters and all this stuff. And it's just like, I, like I get, like it's a pandemic. I don't think anyone should risk their lives or safety to see a movie. Right. But like, I get where he's coming from. Like, and I, yeah, I don't think he's wrong. Work. Right. Yeah. It's just like, 
like yeah obviously he wants his like $150 passion project gamble movie to be seen and make as much money as possible <laughs> like I don't think that's unreasonable I think where I land on it will is that I it's not that I think I where I differ with Jenkins and Villeneuve and all this is like I don't think things have to go to the theater to catch with audiences to have that sort of broad appeal because you can get something like stranger things right that hits netflix sure that didn't come to theaters but people still watch the crap out of that thing and it made tons of money and he you know the duffer brothers were able to make more of it that's how things get greenlit and i think there is this like misunderstanding and there's this misconception that things have to go to theaters to have a sort of impact but i think it's just we're entering a new era where i i think it has nothing to do with theaters i think it's just People, the way we're marketing movies, the way we're making movies does not really translate to what people really want. And I think it's it's a big issue. I think that people really just don't understand how to like, it's just harder than ever to make something and ensure that a lot of people are going to see it because you can put it in theaters. I That doesn't guarantee it's going to be a hit. If anything, it's unlikely it's going to be a hit. Yeah, well, I mean, with Stranger Things and something like Tiger King last year, those are the exceptions rather than the norm. But Netflix and all these streaming services seem to be under the impression that like that's the gold standard. That's what every one of these things should be. And the, the sad fact, the reality is that like more often than not, like nine out of ten of the things they're going to produce are going to be deemed irrelevant probably in two weeks just because. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's just so much competition now. And it's just like you know, outside of streaming services and movies and shows, there's like TikToks and however many other ways that people can divert their attentions online or elsewhere and you know it's just like unless there's something controversial or something that's like gonna like cause some chatter i, I just think you know a lot of these oh, it's streaming a marvel things, movie and and sure, even then yeah, yeah. i mean we like don't Black know Widow. how Sh- shang chi the, today's the first you know we're recording this when shang chi is hitting theaters we have no yeah. idea what's going to happen as we talk about this i'm sure we'll get into it but black widow was not a big success by all no. regards and it you know Say what you will, but I think about the Disney Marvel shows, you haven't seen them, so you don't have an opinion, but those have caught with people. People talk about Loki and WandaVision a ton. Like that show had an impact where or those shows had impact. They had cultural impact. Yeah. And I think Falcon, that's Patty Jenkins' point though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Falcon, Falcon Winter, Winter Soldier Winter did Soldier. a little bit. Everyone at the water cooler is always <laughs> talking about that show. Yeah, yeah. Nothing. Well, yeah, while it was yeah. coming out, people were talking about it, but yeah, it, it that one quickly faded in the wind. But see, that speaks to it. I think what happened with that, it just wasn't as good. It wasn't as interesting, you know, unfortunately. And by the end, it kind of just, it felt like the COVID effect of it was a lot more severe. It was also pretty bad with WandaVision because that didn't end well either. But in my opinion, look, all of that said, I think that's Patty Jenkins' point is that like 20 things come out on Netflix a week and people aren't watching all of it. And like something like Oxygen will come out on Netflix. Good movie. Not amazing, but good. Melanie Laurent, hey, she's back. Let's watch. But then nobody it has no impact whatsoever. And yeah. so, like, good movies aren't having any impact. Great movies are they keep they have they're so good, like they're so the the rare. We we have to wait until the end of the year to see them in a lot of cases mm-hmm. because of festivals. And then when we get them, there's so much noise. And then ah, it it all revolves around like Oscar campaigns. It's just a mess. Yeah. And uh, other examples, of course, being like Mayor of Easttown or The White Lotus. Those are two other shows from this past summer that uh, I did saw one episode of The White mold. Lotus. It was OK. Hey, Mayor of Easttown anyway, was cool. Really yeah, cool. well, my point cool being show. like 
that did break through the mold. And like, I've seen people talk about that yeah. show and, and like Ted Lasso is another example. I think people are catching on and actually talking about that. And that's a streaming thing. That's, that's, you know, getting notice or attention. That's the future HBO. Yeah. I, th- I think HBO and Apple TV plus full disclosure, I work for Apple, but I don't work for Apple TV. I think that those two, the, the way they're marketing things and the way that they're like choosing the right projects, putting the right money into certain things. It's like that to me is it should be a better standard because when I when I hear something is going to be like an HBO limited series, I'm a little bit more interested than if it's a Netflix like limited ser- series. You know what I'm saying? Amazon's kind of in between. Mm-hmm. Like I like Amazon a lot and I'm really looking forward to Wheel of Time, for example. But I don't know, man. Like compared to the way HBO has just been pumping out good stuff and like they have movies that people actually watch bad education. I know people who actually watch that, you know what I mean? But like yeah. most Netflix things people don't watch unless it's like, he's all that. I know people who saw he's all that and were like, that was dumb. Ha ha. Yeah. Well, I do think Netflix, like Mitchell's the machines, even vivo to some extent, like the family stuff is, is sort of breaking through the mold. They do a good job with that stuff. Yeah. But outside of that, yeah, this year they haven't really, had as many hits and this should be when they should be excelling because most people you know especially now with the delta variant people are more likely to stay want to stay home and watch stuff on streaming they should be you know kind of breaking out of the mold like they did with tiger king last year and it doesn't seem like that's been the case from what i've seen this year outside of you know maybe one or two examples I mean, there's like brand new cherry flavor that just came out i haven't seen it i mean i've heard whatever about it i saw it's um, good I I I haven't heard a ton. I was really burned by gunpowder milkshake. I thought I just watched Kate this past week. We might talk about it on the show. I thought that was really generic, even though I really like Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Dang, I was actually looking forward to that. I know. I hey, still check it out for yourself. You might like it's it's grisly. Like they kind of it's it's very dark and violent, but it's just one of those movies where you're like, I know I know what this is doing, and it's it's just not a lot of surprises. And then Afterlife of the Party is coming out this weekend. But here here's the common denominator: like nobody's talking about these movies. Nobody's excited for these movies to come out. There's no beginning, middle, end of the marketing for these things. Netflix just like pushes them out, and I never hear about stuff. I hear about stuff yeah. from press releases and other critics. That's mm-hmm. it. And like, I should be like exposed to like, I should go on Twitter and see like tons of stuff coming, people chattering, people talking, people from all stripes talking about Netflix stuff. I don't at all ever. Yeah, well, that's that's what I was trying to say before with like the Stranger Things or Tiger King. Like those should be they see those as like they're like what all their things should be. But those are the exceptions rather than the norm. Like those obviously are just like things that they didn't really promote, just kind of quietly release. And then they just eventually just exploded. Uh, thanks to social media and they kind of want like all their shows and movies to have that effect and sometimes they do but more often than not they don't but the fact they expect that to happen for almost all their movies or shows outside of like the award pedigree stuff see i don't know if they expect it i think that they it's a numbers game i think they just put out a ton of stuff and just wait for the thing to organically break out whereas Mm -hmm. what i and it's annoying because you have to watch a ton of crap to get to the good stuff because uh, there is great stuff that comes out on Netflix. I mean, Roroni Kenshin, the beginning, came out on Netflix a few weeks ago. It's amazing. It's so good. Like, it, I was watching and I couldn't believe how good it was. And I was like, no, nobody outside of, like, the staff at the Young Folks, because we were chatting about it, knows about this. And it, it, it's just wild to me. And then I think that that's the big difference. Netflix just, like, pushes a lot of content out, waits for people to pick it up uh, organically. But then where I think HBO Max and Amazon to an extent and Apple TV, what they do, they curate stuff so much better. 
So when, when something comes out for those platforms, I don't know, it just feels a little bit more of like an event. It's a spectrum. Like some things are bigger events than others to be totally certain. Like not everything is hyped up as much as it should be. Invincible is a good example of that mm-hmm. on Amazon. Like it kind of had a slow burn. Like they didn't really push it super hard, but then they realized people were loving it. And then it sort of started to pick up. Yeah. Well, I mean, the tie is back to Hulu. Um, I, I think they have in the past or at least last year been better about kind of breaking some of their movies out in the mold. An example would obviously be, as you mentioned, Palm Springs, which could have been an example of a movie that sort of came and went on streaming, but they, you know, really kind of bolstered it up and it, they, they took this, you know, fairly small Sundance movie and turned it into one of the more well-seen movies of 2020. And I don't think Vacation Friends is going to have a similar situation just because, like we said, it's a more mediocre film and, you know, it, it doesn't really have as much going for it critically or commercially. But I, I do think Hulu, if they put their efforts to it, can make some of their products stand out more because they have less competition. But at the same time, they're under Disney's thumb. and it, it does kind of seem like they see Hulu as like the also ran streaming series, streaming service that they have outside of Disney+. Plus or the one that they're not 100% sure what to do with, and they kind of make it their miscellaneous streaming service. And I feel like that's sort of frustrating right now. But yeah, yeah, uh, I don't think, with all that said, I don't think Vacation Friends is going to break the mold. <laughs> I don't either. And I, we can we can move toward the end of this, and we've been, we've been chatting, you know, because why not? But I, I, do, I do want to get to Hulu, because I want to say some good things about Hulu, and that's, you're right. They, they do put effort into the marketing and I don't think they come out with too much stuff. If you actually look at their list of like films and documentaries, it's really impressive. And they have a really good balance between films that they pick up from festivals that are actually like genuinely good movies that they, you know, they do a good job of like, I think that they're one of the better, I, I see ads for Hulu stuff on mm-hmm. Twitter. I see ads for Hulu on other social media platforms. I think they have a good social media presence and I think that they choose things that are easy to like turn into memes and to turn it like some, some stuff that came out this past year, like plan B were probably my favorite comedy of 2021. I think that they, they had a good marketing campaign behind it, but the marketing campaign wasn't traditional. They put a lot of money into social media and I think it played off for them because that, that movie did pretty reasonably well. Palm Springs did well, as you mentioned, you know, they, they've had like little things, you know, I wouldn't say like big time adolescence or false positive, or, you know, I think one of the big misses for them was probably United States versus Billie Holiday, which they were obviously hoping was going to be like this big, you know, awards thing. But then they'll have something like Run, which is pretty good. And then, you know, I think the best Hulu movie, in my opinion, is Palm Springs. I think we would disagree, I guess. In terms of documentaries, they rule. I mean, Hulu has awesome documentaries. They always do a great job of bringing on docs from you know, festivals like mining the gap is one of the best ever. Yeah. Uh, they had one of the fire ones, I think fire fried, they had homeroom, mm-hmm. which just came out on Hulu, yeah. which really good documentary. Painter work was thief. a solid one. Kid yeah, 90. We... I'm Greta. Yeah. Sorry, uh, painter and the thief. Then they have that one as well from last year. Which one? Uh, is it called painter and the thief? Um, what was the one? Oh, oh yeah. The painter and the thief. I don't yeah. know if that was that they might've co-distributed it because it, because they oh, okay. co-distributed nomad land. Right. And summer of soul. Right, yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, they, they, to, no bad land. Summer of Soul, two fantastic mm-hmm. movies. I'm just saying. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah uh, mm-hmm. Hulu's good. Yeah. The weird thing though about Hulu is that it's a mix of like curated stuff, or at least it like, feels curated. Like, here's stuff we put thought into like marketing and picking for our streaming service, and then a bunch of like weird random indies that are just like, oh yeah, we also have this now. 
and yeah, you we just can't put this on like, Disney Plus. So, you yeah. like uh, you just kind of like scan. It's like oh, that's on here now, and that's on here. Like I remember like oh, like a bunch of movies are like yeah, maybe I'll check that out at some point. It's just like oh, that that's on there now. Like uh, Zap, I just recently watched on there because I was just like oh yeah, that was one I meant to watch, and yeah, I guess one. unceremoniously it just came onto Hulu. So I guess I'll watch this now. Did but, you like Zappa? Uh, it was all right. I, I yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, well, it was a very chill movie. Yeah, I mean, I felt like it should have been a miniseries, but I thought it was pretty good. All right, well, it's the moment of truth. What do you think yeah. Vacation Friends got on Rotten Tomatoes? Um, actually, I might have to back out of this one because what you uh, see it already? Yeah, I, I, yesterday I saw it was like sixty-one percent. Sixty well, percent so, now. It was okay. higher. It was sixty-six percent for a while. Uh, what about you? Probably didn't see the audience score. How about that? I did Guess not know. Uh, I'm gonna guess uh, because it's a raunchy R-rated movie. I'm gonna guess sixty-nine percent. Forty-nine percent. Oh, really? Audience the audiences score. aren't digging. That's pretty it? low. Yeah. The audience showed up and they said no thanks. Are people still mad at John Cena? About what? Uh, like the whole China thing whole china thing what, uh, what uh, happened in china we can talk about that off the air yeah yeah i don't know <laughs> you have to fill me in on that one she uh right, no cinema score for this one obviously since it's a hulu release i don't think it came out in any limited theaters and as far as i understand it but you can watch it now on hulu pretty easy to stream and it's only 103 minutes and yeah that's all i gotta say about vacation sure. friends i i need i need a vacation and i need friends but i don't need this yeah. movie yeah, I mean, that was uh, whatever, like an hour long discussion on a movie we both just thought was OK. Yeah, pretty typical. <laughs> hey, we, we only sure. I feel like we only talked about the actual movie for like 20 minutes. That's fine. Sure. Yeah, we, it, this is a, a tangent episode. If people enjoy those or if they hate them, I'm sorry. It's a little treat. It's a little surprise. They're like, ah, you know, I don't really care about vacation friends, but I just want to see what John and Will are up to. That's fine. And, you know, maybe I'll get a recommendation. They listen and then they get this whole discussion out of it. They're like, whoa, it's like opening a pack of Starburst and lobster. Mm-hmm. What so about the listeners who are like, I don't know how I feel about this movie. I need someone to break it down for an hour to really contextualize <laughs> yeah, yeah. my thoughts. Whoa. Oh, great. It went 54 yeah. minutes. Right. <laughs> Well, hey, I, I, you know what? At least we, we front loaded it. You know, it's not like they were sitting around waiting. Sure. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Be sure to subscribe to Cinemaholics on your favorite podcast app of choice or find us on YouTube. See you all next time.